And now it's time for the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. The Jambalaya is sponsored by Guns and Gear, a proud sponsor of the Mississippi Scholastic Shooting Program that provides competition events for high schools across the state. Bring your student's gun to Guns and Gear for custom shotgun fittings, repair, and even complete restoration. They can adjust the length of the pool for your kids as they continue to grow. Guns and Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals. Welcome to the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is our second podcast. Yes, I know the show is going to have its share of rough spots and edges, and we got to polish it out. That's okay. You know, this is like jazz. We're going to adapt, overcome, improvise. Wait, is that jazz or the Marine Corps or both? Anyway, both. 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 Okay. Anyway, speaking of the mic a little bit, we have a John Parker in the house with us. Thank you very much for coming, John. Thank you. Honored to be here. John was the longtime assignment editor at WAPT. Now, if you're not in the news business, that means you have the news director, and he is the grand poobah. He is the guy with the funny water buffalo hat at the news station that decides he decides life and death for all the reporters there. You get this story, you get that story, and go out and get it. And right below him, though, is the assignment editor. What, did that, what do you all do? Well, pretty much we run the newsroom. Uh, we're the information gathering station, you know. Um, at my desk, uh, we had um, 12 scanners, so we got a lot of noise going on. We got the news desk, had three phones. Well, I've been in your newsroom. It's, it's noisy. It is noisy, and all, all newsrooms are here. But uh, pretty much um, after the morning meeting, um, we assign the reporters their stories, and then throughout the day I'm communicating with them, um, hopefully sending them on their stories, helping them uh, gather interviews, go talk to the mayor, go talk to this person, I make the calls, set things up for them. Because it's, it's really a tight deadline from 9 o'clock in the morning, 9.30 when we finish the morning meeting, till they have to be on the air at 5. So once the, the whistle blows, we got to get going. So I help try to facilitate them in their stories. I mean, you're kind of like the point guard and the, and the coach rolled into one. <laughs> yes, a lot of times, a lot of times it is here. And, you know, the, when I joined the news department, one of the first things I heard was that the news assignment editor is the hardest job in the newsroom, and people say that everywhere. I, I've never found it really hard. Um, I'm sitting in an air-conditioned office every day, but I'm sending reporters out into hurricanes, into tornadoes, into fires. And you uh, don't shootings. have governors threatening to whip your ass either. Well... Uh, to your face. To my face, yes. You're, you're right. You're right. And you don't have pit bulls chasing you in the street. I don't have, but I'd have uh, calls from um, different city officials about uh, they're having a press conference, and you'd better not send Ross Adams to the press conference, or we're not going to let WAPT in. Or who, who are the worst ones at that? You're retired now. You don't have to give a fuck now at this point. Well, I, I would... I would prefer not not to say. Or someone I, who's not in office right now. Let's just um, do that. Tyrone Lewis was really picky about who. Really? Oh, yeah, very very much so. When he was sheriff, uh, he would uh, tell me ahead of time. And, you know, Other Kane was his public information officer. And, and Other could be Other. Yes, and uh, I'd, I'd bump heads with uh, Other from time to time. But Other would ask me, who are you sending? And I would purposely not tell him I'm going to send a reporter. And mm -hmm. And that was it. And, you know, I, I talked to Ross. I talked to different reporters. Be polite. Be professional. 
But, uh, you know, I got a call. I remember many a time I get a call from the governor's office. The governor's office will call and say, do not ask about this. We are not going to comment on this. Absolutely. Tell all your reporters, do not ask about this. And then I'll get a call. First question, Ross Adams asked that question. and we Ross, told can, Ross can't help himself. Well, I told him, I said, <laughs> Ross is doing his job, and you can't tell us what not to ask. You can say no comment. You can only control your portion of this conversation. But uh, I was always very proud of the reporters. You have to be a brave soul to be a reporter, to get out there, go one-on-one, face-to-face with these people. And again, I'm sitting in an air-conditioned office, talking on the phone, setting things up. And you can always hang up on them, too. I can, but I, I you don't. Try, but you, I, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. You've got a you've got a layer there, a buffer. I, I, I really do, but you know, I, I realize the people on the other end they have a job to do too, and uh, it it was never personal. It was never us against them. We wanted to find out the truth, what's going on, what needs to be out there, and there were very few times when it got really ugly or out of control. Um, mm-hmm. Several times I've had people. Who would uh, say, let me speak to your boss. You know, and I'd say, well, this is my wife's phone number. And they said, no, at the station, let me speak to your boss. <laughs> and they, they would go to um, the assistant news director, the news director, or sometimes the general manager on me and stuff. And I'd get called on the carpet, and I'd have to explain my thoughts and my thinking, what I was doing. So it, it, it's, And I it's, take it they almost always backed you up, right? Um. Yes. Now, there were times when uh, legal got involved with TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times comes up where um, we, we were part of the Hearst Corporation. Um, they would call Hearst in, in New York, and then an attorney would get involved, and the attorney would find out, okay, what's going on? What did you say? What did we do? What did WAPT do? What's the current status? I'd have to be the point man to give that. Either I'd be in with the news director or sometimes talk directly with um, some of the attorneys. I don't think people today realize how much legal gets involved in the news business now oh, it, compared it, to how it used to be. It, it's tremendous. I mean, you can get sued for... They're almost your de facto editors today. Uh, they, they are a big part of the uh, editing. I mean, and how did it used to be, say, 15, 20 years ago compared to now, how much they're involved? Uh, probably 50% more. Wow. I mean, you, you have to be so... Careful. I remember I um, got a call from Mayor Melton. He saw the 5 o'clock newscast, 5.14, he called. And I'm going to sue WAPT. You're going to be working for me the rest of your life. I, I, he was just going on and on. I got him to calm down. He said, something you just put on the news was totally wrong. I said, what is it? In the interview with me, he used a soundbite where I said, and I was incorrect. And he's going to sue us because he said something incorrect on the air. And I called the attorneys and stuff and said, well, we are at fault. It doesn't matter that he said it wrong. We put it on the air. We should have fact-checked it. We should have made sure it was 100% right when we put it on there. So you have to be so, so careful. Reporters have to be careful. When a reporter writes his story, he uh, sends in a script, okay, it's going to be reviewed by um, the news desk, the assignment editor. I'm going to look at it. The producer's got to look at it, and the assistant news director, and possibly the news director. So we want to make sure that everything is 100% right. And now you got legal. I don't know how many times you and I have talked over the years. Right. 
you know, you would come back to me. Y'all would be interested in the story. You'd, and, you know, you'd call me up and say, right. hey, look, you mind providing us with this video or sure, whatever? Sure, sure. And, like, there, I'll, I remember one. I'm going to get specific here. Okay. It was when, rest his soul, Sheriff Vance, but when he was at JPD, there was a uh, one of his employees had gotten arrested for domestic violence on his girlfriend. It was out there in Ridgeland at the ATM machine, and he was choking her. Remember, he attacked her. Okay. Now it got adjudicated. I went and got the video through a public records request from the from the court, you know, from right. the uh, prosecutor's office. Okay. And they provided it, and you know, I think you remember this. Yes. And it was public records request. It's been sourced the whole nine yards. Right. I mean, people can say you're a blogger, but this was proper journalism. Right. Right. And your legal came back and said, "Sorry." Yes. Can't do it. I mean, blew my mind. Oh, it, it disappointed me. And I've seen me. where we've gotten actual police reports from public records request, and your legal, and this is not just you, but I've had this, seen this other stations too, where legal would come in and say, can't run it, sorry, and we don't care if it came from the police, can't run it. No, it, it, and, you know, I didn't, we didn't, the reporter didn't, the news director, the general manager, sometimes we didn't agree with it, but... If legal says don't do something, you, you don't don't do That's it. That's like HR at a major corporation, you know. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter what VP you are with H or what chairman, whatever HR comes in, boom. Right, right. Boom, you, boom, boom. But you know, they they're looking out they're looking big picture mm -hmm. and, and it is it is so easy to get sued. I mean, people can sue you over anything and every day And they do. And they do, but Every day, I'd send crews out, reporters, and people would call. And people, a lot of times, don't understand media. They don't understand the law. You know, a guy was going to sue us because we were um, standing in his yard uh, shooting a car had crashed into his house. Okay? Um, and my reporter called and says, the man says we have to get off his property. I said, then get off his property. So you go to the street, and you take one step, and you're standing in a public street. You're no longer on his property. He said, you can't shoot video of my house from there. I said, okay, go across the street, on the other side of the street, shoot the video. He says, I'm going to sue you if you shoot the video. I don't give you permission. He can't stop us no. from shooting. But people don't understand the laws and the regulations. And, and you know, we would get um, court summons. We, we would get served and things like this where people wanted to sue the TV station. So we had to understand what the rules are. I remember I had a uh, a guy called me and said there was a bad accident at Highway 18 um, and Maddox Road. And he says, this is horrible. It involves a JPD car. So um, I sent a photographer out there, and she calls. She says, oh, it's a terrible mess. This guy may be dead. Um, I said, all right, just get out and start shooting. So within five minutes of her getting there, other JPD units started getting there, and the first officer ran up and told her, put the camera down, you can't shoot video. So she put the camera down, and she called me on her cell phone. She said, hey, the officer says I can't shoot anything. I said, of course you can can shoot anything. Pick up your camera and start shooting. So she started shooting. The officer here comes we go back. again, rinse, repeat. Yeah, and um, it tells her to put it down, and um, then the sergeant comes, and the sergeant says, well, you can't tell her not to shoot, but for her own safety, back her up 500 yards. So 500 yards? 500 yards, was he says. So we, you know, she's way down there, but she has um, uh, on her camera, she's got a scope she can put on there, and she's still shooting <laughs> great video. And he comes back, and um, one of the guys knows something about cameras. He says, when hey, was this? Gosh, this is about six years ago, maybe seven okay. years ago. 
Um, go down there and back her up another hundred yards, stuff like this. And they just didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to be seen. And and I tell you, it was a tragic Why story. Why was that? It was tragic. Uh, what we found out was that a, um, the JPD officer was supposed to get off, I think, at, at 6. Something happened right before 6. Um, he runs a guy down to the, uh, to the uh, detention center in Raymond. Um, he's got an appointment he wants to be at. He comes back. He's flying. Uh, they estimated he was doing 90 to 100 miles an hour through the intersection when the light had changed. The oh, guy, wow. The guy who was going through the intersection just got T-boned. Oh, wow. There. He was 30, 32, 33-year-old barber, got killed. But it was just, just such a, a tragic thing. But uh, I ended up going to talk to Chief Vance about this. It was you know, and Chief Vance was fairly pro-public relations, pro-media. He was. He was. He's probably one of the more open ones we've had around here. I, I'd I say him agree. and Brian Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great. But uh, Vance ended up firing the, the guy because uh, he said, even though it's inconvenient and it wasn't probably the best for JPD, you can't stop people from doing their jobs. You can't tell citizens they can't videotape with their cell phone you can't see and i'm the kind of person i mean i remember one time a few years ago and you were still on the job yeah richland had one of their numerous chases into jackson yes and it was into the hood somewhere and they get they're getting their guy they're taking him down and they start screaming at you guys to put up your cameras which was bullshit because One, you're out of your jurisdiction, uh, and your jurisdiction, whatever you might have, is limited to that suspect right there. That's it. Right, right. You and, can't come 25 feet. If we're not interfering, you can't come 25 feet over. And, no, what, what, what we found out in, in kind of the gray area is the officers can say this is a crime scene, back up 100 feet. Sure. They can't tell you. But he, no, I saw the video. Shoot. He was put him away. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that and, happened and, and unfortunately, times. the reporter did because me. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I might have backed up, but I would not have put away. I mean, I want that officer to arrest me for that. Well, One, I get a great headline out of it. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this on my own show. But, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, number two is it is bullshit because I'm sorry. They don't have the right to tell you, the media, you can or can't film this if it's way out in public view. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. It, it, it now, is there's a the public safety is. version here, but at this point, we're not talking public safety here no, for the most part. No, we're not, but the You're same You're keeping thing. a respectful, dis- safe yes. distance, Yes. doing your job, and then right. here they come. Put but, a, you know. but but the same thing with with civilians. If people pull out their video cameras and video something, they have the right to, to do that. And you're seeing the appeals courts are now, because it used to be... A couple of, cir- of the circuits up north had ruled they you now have citizen blah, citizen journalist yeah and so they can shoot and the fifth circuit the circuit a few years ago about four or five years ago because vance was chief yeah. came down and said hey people have got the right to videotape in public blah 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 they said first amendment there's not a license for a journalist right first amendment applies to everybody it, it does but the problem that that i saw repeatedly was uh, they could get arrested on one of the bullshit charges, we call it, uh-huh. uh, interfering with the officer in the performance of his duty, disobeying a police officer. If he tells I'll you to put down your camera, well, I, I tell you, a lot, of, a lot of poor people can't take it. They can't afford No, I'm not talking. I'm talking about reporters. Right, right. And, and reporters. They got a station to, it, I mean, exactly. you're going to bail them out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had um, a, a Ridgeland police officer tell me that. Uh, he told my reporter to 
put his cell phone away because if he's a real reporter, he would have a camera. I said, the cell phone That's is, is a camera. And I said, more and more we use cameras to put video on, I mean, the, on the air type, type thing. So And the cameras that are coming down the turnpike with cell phones, yeah. I mean, I looked at what I just got the Google Pixel 5a last sure. week. Right. And uh, they're about to roll out the Pixel 6 Pro. Right. And, I mean, they're getting all nice and fancy software for it. Wide angle lenses, telephoto yeah. lenses. Yeah. I mean, they're right. That line is is not blurring; it's disappearing. And of course, right. nothing replaces a good, you know, professional camera. But still, these are getting really good. They are good, and and more and more national news, local news, uh, is coming from people's video cameras. And you know, I, I'd look at bank robbery sometimes, and you'd look at the crappy video, you think a bank would have nice video systems. A lot of times they didn't have. No. And uh, that's a video you have to use. So um, cell phones, uh, any video that, that people take. Now, now one thing that I, I really started seeing and having a problem with was that people would shoot video and then they'd want to sell it to the TV station. And oh, we, yeah. We don't, we don't pay for video. WAPT... I know of three instances in 20 years I was there where we actually paid paid for video. Um, we encourage people. You know what they do now is they get on YouTube. They'll put it on YouTube. And, right. You know, and then someone comes along and says, hey, we want the license to this. Can we pay you for it? Right. And that's just where we are. No, that, that that's for people getting smart and learning how, how to, to use the system here. But um, one of the things that I have to do on the assignment desk um, someone would send me a video, and I'd call up and I'd say, um, "Hey, uh, Jimmy, did you shoot this video? Yeah, I shot. We want permission to use it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead." And y'all called me up quite a few times. We, we did. And you're not the only ones, trust me. No, but I'd call uh, call <laughs> other people. And I, I remember one time we got sued. I called a guy. I said, "Is this James Patterson?" Yeah, yeah. What's up? Uh, this is John Parker with WAPT News. We'd like permission to uh, use your video. How much you gonna pay me? I said, not, can't pay you anything. News, we don't pay for uh, video and everything. He says, yeah, you, you can go ahead, you can use it. And I tell him up front, I said, um, when we use video, we're going to share this with all our Hearst television stations. Uh, we're part of the CNN um, network. I'm gonna share it with CNN, all, all these people. So you give us permission to use it. And they'd say, yeah. And then I get a call from Clarion Ledger. Hey, we want to use that uh, video from you. I said, no, this is the guy who who it belongs to who shot the video. This is who you need to contact. Now, our networks, I can share with them, but outside Yeah, but what the Clarion Ledger now does is they now they just, they've gotten real cute in how they're ripping you off. They don't rip you off. What they'll do is they'll say, WAPT reported yes. a vi posted a video of so and so, and they will go through and take your entire story, and they will put in front either at the beginning or end of the paragraph, say WAPT reporter reported by WAPT. Right. And honestly, yeah, it's plagiarism. That's exactly what it is. They I, are lifting your whole story, yeah. putting an extra half a dozen words or so around it and saying, oh, we're not ripping you off. We're just reporting what you said. Yeah, and I tell you. And I, they've gotten really bad about well, it. I'll, and they don't, and Gannett don't care. A lot of news organizations do that, and we would try our best. And that was usually on me on the assignment desk. If we saw something that WLBT is reporting this, 
and they spoke to James Wilson. Mm-hmm. I'm trying all day long to find find this guy, James Wilson, because the last thing I want to do is put on our air. WLPT reported that. I want to be able to say, I report. I, I mean, talked to the What are you in guy. the business of? Getting news. Getting news. Getting right. information. But uh, there, there are times when we had to report it like that. And then there are a lot of times where we, would, we either wouldn't do the story or we'd kill the story. Um, because we couldn't independently verify that, yeah. and I don't want to report that the other station. Now there, there are, there are, I call them gold pins in the business. People you can call who know what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, you were one of those. those who, me? People. Yes, nah. you, you, because you know this comes from people trusting you, and there were sheriffs, there were law enforcement officers that would talk to you. They wouldn't talk to me, and for whatever reason. You know one of those reasons, because I've told you. We aren't going to say it here, but. Well, I. I had to do with one particular reporter. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that is, and that's unfortunate, but there would be things that I I would learn that I could go in and tell the news director, I know this for a fact. He said, you know 100%. Yes, I do. Who's your source? I would say, this person, my source, or sometimes I say I'd prefer not to say who my source is, but it's a person that I consider a gold pin. They're highly reliable. But then I'd call twelve other people to try to verify, you know. And so, a lot of things we we couldn't report. And they say, well, once again, we're scooped by Jackson Jambalaya. It's on the, their front page. I said, because he has a verified source that will tell him that. But one I, I had one I got one time that was um. That trooper story I posted about six or seven years ago is where uh, a trooper, and I changed his name to Red Fruit, but if you, it was one of those, I changed her name where if you knew the guy, right. it was a play on his name of sorts. Okay. If you knew who it was already, right. you were going to recognize this immediately, okay. but an average person was not going to know we, who this we, was. No. Okay. And I like to have a little bit of fun like that sometimes, it, it, but what happened baseball, was... Yeah. MDOT law enforcement officer is, this wouldn't happen today because now they're under the same agency, but right. he's driving down 55. He gets that old abandoned rest area with no rest, no bathrooms, you know, right there past Macomb. Right. And sees a highway patrol car over there, and he investigates, and then him and this guy are having sex is what's going on yeah, here. And they would met through, I think, that trooper, trucker buddy program. I mean. I and let me tell you something. The comments on that post yeah. were just gold i mean i still go back every now and then just read them just to laugh uh, and what was fun the way i got it though was right. you couldn't get anybody on the record yeah you know and so a reporter gave it to me says look i can't do anything with this i can't right. so here it's you can do what you want with it okay right here it is well i happen to have some sources Public Safety, Department of Public Safety, and they confirmed it for me. Okay. Now, they would not go on the record. Right. But they, I had three different ones all saying, oh, yeah, and here's, and you want some more information, here it is, too, you right. know? I, but the funny part was I called up Warren Strain. Oh, really? Warren? And, and I said, hey, can you, I need a comment from the DPS on, he just says, you know, I can't, you know, I can't say anything. <laughs> you know, I can't comment on that. Right. I mean, it's like he about blew up. Yeah. He had no clue this was coming. I mean, he just totally freaked out. We, we laughed about it later, and, uh, after that, every now and then, when I would be driving, say, to New- 
55 that area, right. you know, I'd always call them up on a pass at rest area. I'd just say, hey, Warren, just letting you know I'm thinking about you. I'm driving past this rest area. <laughs> I even did two on Thanksgiving Day once. No, you know. And- I, I did, but, but my point is, though, yeah. I mean, but I was able to verify. And I and news could not, news station could not do it, do that. No. And it was all true. Yes. It was all true, but it was just one, you couldn't, one of those things that's great, but you can't get anybody just on the record. But right. And usually if you get something wrong, within yeah. a few hours or a day, you're hearing from their lawyers yeah. saying, hey, pull this, correct it, here's the real story, or we right. understand why you did this, but here's the rest of it, you right. know? Right. I mean, it is what it is. It, it is. What was your favorite story to cover over all the years, favorite stories? Oh, gosh. A couple. I will never forget... Um, it was about the end of the day. The six o'clock news was on. Um, I usually get off at six thirty at the end of the shift here. And but your day never ends, though. No, no. I I, I tell everybody uh, I sleep with my wife and my phone here. I'm I'm in business twenty four seven, and if something happens at three o two in the morning, you better call me at three o three. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and they did, and and I I love that and appreciate that. But I I just listening to the scanner sometimes you hear things and and you hear it with your ear it goes into your brain and you say i didn't hear that right that can't be possible i remember one time um i heard on the jpd scanner a report of a tiger um behind the um, uh, church's chicken on highway 18. so i heard that and i thought tiger. a tiger yeah so I, of course we got a lot of other things going on, but um, I called. that get your call, attention? It, it, it did. And I called the crew. I said, when you finish up your story, I want you to go by um, the Popeyes up there. They go by there. JPD is there. They're talking to a guy. I got a, a young kid taking the trash out the back door, goes to the dumpster, turns around. He says it's this full-grown tiger uh, standing about 10 feet from What was here. it, a bobcat? He didn't know. Uh, he said it was a tiger. So on my lunch break the next day i went up there and i talked to this guy and you know he he seems like an intelligent kid i said you know what a tiger looks like you know how big was he he said he was this big and all this kind of stuff so um, i called lee vance and vance went out there and he said if you want to know the truth it's the second call we've had for about a tiger in that neighborhood but we haven't seen anything he says i don't know if it's a tiger i'm not going to say yes <laughs> i'm not going to say no so I went up, that, up there, I told the guy, I said, show me where it was. So I called the zoo and asked the guy to come out there from the zoo. Dave? Uh, uh, called, not Dave. Um, gosh, who was Don't that guy's name? Um, I can't think of his name now. But he came out there and he found a footprint and he took a plaster cast of it. And he took it to the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And they said it was a Bengal tiger. What? Uh, yes. How so, long ago was this? Oh, gosh, this was about 10 years ago. And uh, wow, this went on for about two weeks, nothing. And then we get a call. A woman says there's a tiger in her backyard. <laughs> JPD goes up there, and they lock the gate, and there's a tiger there. It turns out it belonged to um, a guy uh, who owned a dealership in Brandon. He had a tiger that he had raised since he was a little kid. He had gone out of town. He gave it to his sister. It got out of the, out of the house uh, type thing. So they went over there, they arrested him, they confiscated the tiger, and sure enough, all these four people who had signed the tiger. I'm checking he was violating some law without a license. The state, no, the state 
prohibits having yeah. wild animals. As, so, so, and then I, I, I remember I talked to Lee Vance about it and everything. And Vance said, okay, one person reported, probably not. Two people, doubtful. Four people, it's something out There's there. There's something. Yeah. See, my first thought was like a bobcat, you know, something in right, the wild, you know? Right. And he just didn't know any better. No. And then the uh, other one was. Wait, wait, what happened to the tiger? Where'd he go? Uh, he was confiscated confiscated by the state right um the guy was fine and did not tell you to turn that off i did turn it off apparently it didn't here but <laughs> yeah and then uh, the other one also involved uh lee vance uh, wait wait, wait. where the tiger i mean they took it but we don't know i, I, I don't know but i guess that'd be wildlife and fisheries wildlife and fisheries. i might do a follow-up you don't understand i'm it. thinking follow-up here Uh-oh, what it, happened it, here? It, was, it was great and the guy I bet ricky flint knows the guy was fine and and yeah yeah i bet, I bet ricky probably knows oh i bet uh, i can't think of the pio at wildlife and fisheries that i was dealing with but yeah they'll know what happened they were the ones who confiscated it um, took it. I remember took when it. Percy King died, you know, was murdered. Percy, that's who I was thinking of. And um, they can't, you know, I hate to say it, but his inside of his house was not fit to live in. It really wasn't. I mean, this was the classic hoarder, and, except he wasn't hoarding dogs and cats. He was hoarding wild animals, yeah. exotic animals. And I went to Percy's house when he died. Yeah, that's what I was it. told by the police and wildlife people, and they had to call the wildlife people. They had, he had so many exotic animals over there. Right, right. And the zoo took a lot of them, and they found homes for others. I think he even had a gator over there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, they told me that. When had chinchillas. There. He had, let me see what else. I mean, of course, snakes. I mean, it was just, and part of his problem was he wouldn't actually, when he would do a party. Yeah. Just give me what, just pay, just give what your heart desires, you know. So, you know, you'll have some well to do moms who are paying, they don't mind paying for it, but then right. you have people who's, oh, they'll just skate on paying me. He, you know, he, no, I, I remember Percy, yeah, he, he was scraping the bottom of the barrel yeah. here, yeah, yeah, he was. And I mean, but you know, I, I gotta go, I need to go back and check what happened to that case. But like I said, but wildlife had to come in there and just, it was just amazing all the stuff they, I mean, JPD went in there and was like, wait a second, Gator, hold on. They were like, we're going back out the house. Right. We're not going back in till wildlife right. shows up. You know? No, it was, it was. Sad. I had not, I don't, I had, did y'all report the tiger one or not? Cause I don't remember that one. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to do a follow up. I, I have to check on that and then. Uh, we had another one was at uh, North Park Mall. Gosh, this was, gosh, I've probably been working there three years. So How long have you were you at APT? I started in 2000 and retired at the end of 2020 last year. So, so you were a sign letter for about 20, 20 years. Yeah. Wow. And it was funny how, how I, I got the job here. Um, I saw a position open for promotions department, which writes commercials and stuff like that. Um, and I decided and I was managing apartments then. I went in and I talked to the uh, um, head of the promotions department and stuff. And he says, well, you need to be a really good writer. And I said, I think I'm a pretty good writer. And she said, well, bring samples and stuff. So I came back a couple of days later. And I'd written some magazine articles. I'd written two novels, uh, left all that stuff. And she hired me. And you know, they would give me like teases to write. A, a news tease is seven seconds long. And I would try to write something, and she said, oh, this is horrendous. This is terrible. No, you have to get a knack for how to write these things. You want to tease people, make them anxious when they want to know what's coming up, get them to stick around and stuff like that. So I worked on uh, seven-second, uh, ten-second, 
12 second and 15 second teases. And for about two months, I wrote these teases. And she says, this is horrible. Um, we're giving you a 90 day trial. If they don't get any better, I'm not gonna be able to keep you. She said, I read your first novel. I, I thought it was wonderful here. But, you, but it's a different style of writing. Totally, totally different. And you have to be succinct and very short and to the point. And I admit I was having some difficulty with it. So uh, one day I was in the conference room working on some things, and uh, Stuart Kellogg, who's the general manager and president, he came by. He said, hey, how's it going? I said, Mr. Kellogg, it's not going well. I, I'm just not getting the knack of this, this writing these teases. And he's like, teases aren't hard. You just got to kind of understand them and stuff like that. I said, well, Susan gave me these 10 to write, and I'm, I'm working on them here, but I think my job could be on the line. I, I just pray for me, I told him. He said, let me see that. So he sits down, and he writes all 10 of the teases for me. He writes them, the 7 seconds, the 12, the 15. Mm -hmm. He writes them and gives them back to me, and he says, turn those in. <laughs> I turn those in to Susan. Corporate sponsored plagiarism, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. She said, "Clean your desk out. These are the worst yet. <laughs> you're, you're, no, you you can't you can't write." She said, "This is the best you can do." And I didn't want to tell her that you know Mr. Kellogg had written them or or, or, or whatever. Here, I said, uh, "All right, I'm, I'm going to keep work on this." And I, I started getting a little bit. This is like Charlie Chaplin coming in third in his own contest. You know? it, it, it was it was crazy, but um, I, I slowly started getting the. the into the flow flow of things and, and learning how to write them. But then the assignment editor at the news desk came running to me. He says, what kind of aircraft is this? I said, that's a F-4 Phantom. And he says, this is an Air Force airplane? I said, no, that's a Navy airplane. How do you know it's Navy? I said, well, one thing. You look right the under the wing. It says Navy right there on the back of the airplane. He's like, yeah, okay, great, thanks. So he runs out. And then the next day they say, what kind of airplanes do they, does the uh, 172nd um, fly? Uh, I said, I'm flying C-5s out there uh, right right now and everything. He says, all right, you're going to be my military source for things. So I was trying to write these teases, and there'd be real time constraints, but they kept coming in the newsroom asking me things. So then Patrick was out sick on a, like a Wednesday or Thursday. who's the assignment editor, and the news director came down and said, Look, we don't have an assignment editor today. Can you just come sit at the desk in the newsroom? I said, well, sir, I got a bunch of things to do for promotions. He said, I just need you to sit at the desk. I said, if you'll talk to Susan, she gives me permission. She's my department head. So she was upset about it, but she said, go on, go on. So I went down there and I started answering the phones, and um, they were asking a lot. Of, there was some kind of National Guard operation going on there coming in. What rank is, is this guy? So if you look on his collar, he's a colonel. Because you were in the Navy. I, I was in the Navy right. for 20 years. I, I knew a lot about the military. So um, the news director came down, and um, he told me at the end of the shift, he said, thank you. You saved our lives today. You did a really good job. I said, thank and you. And you also saved your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going back to Susan. I think I had a week or two weeks left. And then um, Patrick um, had a car accident the next day when he was going to work. So he wasn't on this. So they asked me to come back again. And so I, I worked three days on the desk that week. I was way behind with Susan, who was really already upset with me and everything. And then the news director called me and he said, um, would you be interested in um, being the assignment editor? And I said, well, sir, I really don't know, even know what assignment editor does or what his duties are. And 
I'd have to uh, look at it. He says, you're already doing it here. Um, he says, I want you to be the interim. I'm moving uh, Patrick into tapes and uh, tape rolling. And I want you to sit at the news desk till we can hire a full-time assignment editor. I said, again, I don't want to blow my opportunity with uh, Susan. So he went and talked to uh, Mr. Kellogg. They put me on, on the desk for um, three weeks. Oh, judging by what you've told me about how you were writing your teasers or whatever, right. she might have actually been grateful. Oh, she, she, she was probably saying. You mean I can hire somebody else now? <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jesus. I'm sure she was saying. Uh, I don't have to fire anybody, yes. Yeah, and, uh, but after the three weeks, they, uh, they asked me to, to stay and stuff, and I really liked, the thing I liked about being the assignment editor job was um, I worked at Raytheon Aerospace up in Madison for about 10 months here. And that job, I'd look at the clock, and it'd be 8, eight o'clock in the morning, and three hours later, it'd be 8.15. Time just dragged on. It was just so slow. At, at the news desk in the newsroom, things happen so fast. It's 8 o'clock, then it's 1 o'clock. You don't o'clock, have time to think. Fun. You don't have time to think. And, you know, there were many days you didn't get a lunch break. There were things going on. And let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, you're getting to see news before everybody else does, and you're getting to see a lot of stuff that will never make the news, but it's pretty juicy. It is very juicy, and you, you find out about people, pro and con, good, good and bad, and uh, you kind of see the underside of the city and how things work and who the players are. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? What, what's really going on? And it was very intriguing to me. And I loved it. When he asked me to be assignment editor, I mean, I thought about it for two days. And I said, uh, yes, I'll, I'll take the position. And then, you know, uh, Chris at the front desk told me, she said, well, just be careful because assignment editors burn out pretty fast. Patrick was an assignment editor for almost two years. That was a guy who I had replaced. And she said, as long as we've ever had uh, assignment editors, four years. But she said, How long did you make the gig last? I was 20 years. I, wow. I did uh, May 1st, 2000 to. Oh, Charlie over at LBT, he's had that gig for a while too, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and Charlie's a, a natural. I mean, good, yeah. good guy. And you know, one thing, the stations are extremely competitive. And I'll never, never forget when, um, when there was a shooting, the detective got shot um, at JPD headquarters. Mm hmm. Um, I'll never forget this. Eric Smith. Was it? Was it Eric? Um, like fourteen or fifteen or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Eric Smith. Yeah, the detective. Well, anyway, that was going on, and we were running. We we heard that there had been a shooting inside JPD. We couldn't confirm everything. Then off the record, a couple officers were telling us this and that. It was just chaos. We got a live truck down there, and a guy was running to um, set up the live shot, and he tripped. And when he tripped, he snapped a cord. And that was the only cord that we had in the truck. So I'm trying to get another cord from the station never down, backup. There, down there to him. For some reason, we didn't have one in the truck. We used to usually carry three. That day, we For couldn't find either one. So, um, and I remember, and um, I... Uh, called Charlie and I said, do you have an extra cord that we could borrow? And he said, yeah, I think so, hold on. And he got it and the guy gave it to my guy and we went and set up and we got the shot like one minute before the five o'clock news and went live and all that like that. 
and all the assignment editors had a thing where we we helped each other. And I remember one time is I Is that went, rare in the business or is that fairly common? It's rare. Why is that? Because it's so competitive. I remember one time, I won't name it, but I had a news director. Something happened and LBT called me and asked me for something. And for some reason, I decided to go ask the news director. And he was like, hell no. Uh-huh. How, why would we assist them when they're our main competition? Because you might need their help one day. Yeah, and and that that I never forgot that. It, it hurt my feelings when I had to to tell him no. But I learned next time, don't ask permission. Just do it at your level. Assign They're never going to know anyway. Yeah, and, and we would get things we would get things done um, between us. And the reporters are good about helping each other out and and. Um, I remember um, LBT had what we call one-man bands. The guy shoots his own camera, stands up. He's just him. He doesn't have a photographer and stuff that's like that. Very, that's more and more standard today. It, it is. It is. I remember when it first started about, what, 10 years ago. Oh, man, some of these reporters were just – JTV had one. who's turned into – has blossomed somewhere else into a really good reporter today. Okay. But back then was just throwing a fit. Just would not – do it this is too heavy for me it hurts my back i mean there there blah, are blah, people blah. We, we've got rid of wapt uh, reporters who but that was the way it was going yes and it was like you know he told me he said i remember i'm not going to learn editing i don't edit i'm a reporter i said you're a reporter who better know how to shoot better know how to edit you better learn told him that some ways it makes you better oh but, all, always but, I think the biggest problem you have here is you are we are the Jackson, Mississippi market. Right. And you go, say, to bigger markets, and they will have what's called an investigative producer, and that's someone who does like what I do. Right. They go to the courthouse. They get the documents. They read the cases. They will gather all the other information, and then they're the point guard. Right. And then they meet with the reporter and say, here you go, here's all the information you need, here's how we're going to structure this. And the reporter goes out there and scores the points and gets in front of the camera and does everything. But you don't have that here. So yeah. that reporter, and I think what a lot of people around here don't understand is that reporter has gone to journalism school somewhere, so they've learned how to do stories and, and hopefully editing and all that stuff. But right. that's but they're coming here for their first or second job for the most part. Right. And we're kind of their job training program in a way. You know? we, we very much are. And they don't really have the support that they have elsewhere. True, true. And then the other problem, too, is I think they've got, most of them spend like two years and then they go somewhere else. Yeah. And so by the time they start getting any real institutional knowledge of the place, right. boom, they're gone. Yeah, and, you know, there's different cultures at each station. Like uh, mm-hmm. LBT is known, you know, Woody Asaph was there traditional a hundred years of their report their main anchors grew up in the community and they've been there 20 or 30 years wapt is known for um and i think this because of ben hart recognizing um students when they come as interns mm-hmm. he's a bright kid good work ethic we bring him to wapt and we train them hard unmercifully and they get good within two years they're ready to move Either on got to or a big, you don't. bigger market. Yeah. And you prove yourself in two to three years into your first contract, and they would move on to bigger and better places. And when I first got there, people were saying, I can't believe he's leaving, or he's a traitor, or how. 
it's horrible. I said, that, that's what life is all about, moving up, making more money. Yeah, if they're getting hired to a better job, that's actually, right. in a way, good for you. That means you're hiring some talent. Oh, it, it is. And, and, and I, I think I kind of changed that, that culture around where that's what we want people to do. These are our children. They come in, we grow them, we train them, they get better, and they're able to move on. Um, I tell you, TV doesn't pay well. And the, not in this market. Not not in most markets. And no. I mean, unless you're you know you're the thirty year anchor or, or whatever. But my my photogs, you know, I would help some of these guys apply for food stamps, and they got kids in school, and um, it, it was just horrible to me. These these guys, as hard as I would work them, um, they were just barely making enough for them and their wife or. If they had children, it was just... I mean, what is starting out, generally speaking? Yeah. What do these reporters make, roughly? A new reporter? Uh, when I went to the station... What's the range? Uh, Twenty-four to 28000 was starting for a reporter. And, wow. And the, that reporter had to dress a certain way, had to carry themselves a certain way. Um, you know, they didn't have the money to go out and buy these clothes and... People say, "Oh, they bring you, they give you makeup, they buy your clothes. They don't do any of that. You have to." Do I'll give you a clue: the reporters, because I cover shoes on the blog. Right. <laughs> Go buy the better shoes off eBay. Just buy them used. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they, they have. You'll they get them have, under a hundred dollars that way. They, get the good stuff used off they, eBay. Swallow they, your pride. And they have to wear because like yeah, Hearst would send people in who would sit down with each on-air talent, with each reporter, with each anchor. I tell them, okay, what colors complement your face, your hair? Um, this is how you should dress. These colors look good on you. And they're expected to go out and get that. Uh, women can't alter their hair, you cut can't ex their hair. express yourself. I exactly. And, and, and some of them, let's be honest, really do have bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, what, what would happen is, and there, I only remember a couple times when... Um, I've told an on-air talent. It was it was kind of hard for me because these people are like your family and stuff. I would say, uh, Mary, that dress isn't appropriate for on-air. Oh, I love this dress. What's wrong with it? It's a little too tight. It's a little too... It doesn't yeah, but, go for on-air. But on it's air. given the sports message board's material, though. Don't you understand? No, I, I understand that. But And when are y'all going to go to the Mexican way of doing weather reports? Mexican way of doing weather. You haven't seen a Mexican broadca weather broadcast? No. no. Let's just say, without making anybody mad, not that ever bothers me, it's very sexist, to say the least. Oh, okay. I haven't seen uh, some Very YouTube. sexist. Yes, yes. No, very. We, we, we don't. We, we try to keep everything as, as professional Can you imagine trying to pull possible. that on the station here in the U.S. in today's climate? Uh, I mean, oh, my gosh. You know... And, and like I said, I, I was kind of the older guy in, in the newsroom, but I remember um, um, a morning anchor. Um, I came in to work at uh, 8 o'clock, and I saw a guy sitting in the car in the parking lot, and he's got this huge thing of flowers. And I said, um, I walked over to him and said, can I help you? He says, yes, I'm here to propose to Kristen McFan. I said, do you know Kristen? No, but I've been watching her for three years, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to propose. I'm going to ask her to marry me. I said, Kristen is married and has a six-year-old child. He said, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> what do you think she'll say? I said, she's not, 
She's not going to say anything, sir. Uh, she's not interested, and I need you to leave. And if you come back on the property, I'm going to call the police and have you arrested for trespassing. How many How many uh, bouquets of flowers have y'all gotten that were unsolicited uh, oh, at the station? So many. I can, I can tell you stories of Keegan. Give us one. Keegan Fox gets, uh, there's a man in Chula. He's infatuated with Keegan. About every three months, he sends this box of um, these handmade figures that, that he makes by hand. Usually be about eight to 12 of them in a thing in the box. And he opens them. They're always addressed to, to Keegan. And they're like little robots or something like that. And Keegan is. Uh, Are they actually good or? Yeah, they're good. I mean, what happens is I would, I, they're, they're pretty nice. I mean, it takes, it's a lot of work put into it. Yeah. And um, after about the third or fourth The problem one, is you're the object of, you're the recipient of this. <laughs> well, Ke Keegan was, and I, I'd go up to the front desk and get something I'd say for Keegan. Yeah, she I'd doesn't strike me as a Transformers type. She, she is not a Transformer person. And uh, she, matter of fact, when she first got one, she asked me, would I open it? She wasn't sure <laughs> what was it. So I cut it open, and, so, and she said, why would they send me? I said, I don't know. But after the third or fourth one we got, I called the Chula Police Department. I said, uh, this gentleman by this name keeps sending things to Keegan. She says to tell him thank you very much, and please ask him not to send any more. And the chief says, "Well, yeah, he's kind of special, and uh, but I'll, I'll go talk to him." So he goes and talks to her and everything. What uh, two more weeks later, a bigger box shows up with twenty of these these things in it. So I called the uh, post office in Chula. Chula is not a very big city. No. And I told her. I mean, the postmaster and police chief are probably the same person. Well, they, they know each Everybody knows everybody. And the lady said, yeah, uh, he brings them in here, and he's so excited. He says, he was, I said, please ask him not to send them. And she said, legally, I can't do that unless it's breaking a law, everything. So when they would come, Keegan would tell me. Um, she said, Mr. Parker, if you don't mind, can you give them to the Salvation Army? They can give them to kids. Because uh, we went to, we did a story at one of the children's homes. Well, the children absolutely loved these things. They had, they had probably. That's the sad part about it. 40 or 50 of these, these things out there. He's got a talent and there's, it, it, and there's an appreciation for it somewhere. Yeah, and, and, but, you know, he just never got it. And then men oh. would show up at the front desk. Um, I'm here to, um see megan west i said can i help you no it's kind of personal i want to talk to megan about it. I said, you gotta go through me and megan's busy she's getting ready for the show type thing and megan always thanked me for kind of chasing these guys off most of them seem like you might have been saving them what are you talking about uh, well, i know uh, megan uh, megan's you might have been a, saving a them sweet person but uh, you'd get all kinds of weirdos and, and people would show up. Yeah, and Wendy Suarez used to tell me but she used to have when she was the morning over right, there. Right. You know, she had this one just always call up there four in the morning, five right. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they're driving to work by themselves here. They're leaving. Uh, we got a thing where um, we started um, escorting all the women. Mm -hmm. Um, out to their cars at, at night because guys would just show up there and uh, one guy I remember he showed up with a, with a rose and he offered it to one anchor and she said uh, no thank you and then when I was coming out to my car he said uh, is so and so here I said no she's not here well, what about he was just going down the line here and it, it's they get an infatuation with with the anchors and, and although I remember one of the reporters 
Sheila used to go round and round. She'd come in in the morning, and time she'd walk in, I'd say, okay, I need to talk to you. She'd, let, let me get my coffee first before you get, get started type thing. Let me get my routine first, then I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, she, she was like that. But then I uh, said, so I got a report on the Saturday at Kroger that you were rude to a woman. She says, Saturday is my time, not WAPT time. I said, no, you're WAPT 24-7. She said, no, you're old military man. You think like that. It's not like the that. The problem is your public thinks like that. Though. That's exactly. the problem. Well, it ain't I told, me, it's the public. I said, we all think like and that. And now with social media, they'll get on there and just blare it all over the place. Exactly. And here you go. Well, you know? this, this was very early. but See, when you're known as an, a jerk or SOB like me, you can get away with it. Well... No, you can't. You can't get away with it. And I told her, I said, "You got to have that Don Rickles rep first. <laughs> you have to be polite to people, even on your off time. You represent WAPT, and um, you, you have to be polite and professional." She said, "I didn't have on any makeup. I was in shorts. I went to get some milk and some." I said, "That doesn't matter why you went. You have to have the attitude of customer service, twenty-four-seven. You represent WAPT." And she just didn't get it. And she ended up leaving the station. You know, you know what Bill Russell would do? What's that? You know, he's sitting there eating dinner somewhere, and some kid comes, mom comes up, comes up there with her kid, you know, Mr. Russell, we hate to bother you. And he would immediately stop him and just, he would immediately glare at him just say, then don't. <laughs> well. And, and, and send the kid off, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you another good one. Um, this one, Red, Ar Red Auerbach actually wrote a pretty good book. Okay. And it's, it's worth reading. Dave Cowens, remember him? Yeah. He's sitting there. He wasn't big about autographs. He'd rather have the kid have an actual experience, you know. So okay. This kid comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, kid, help, you know, how about we get a hot dog right here and you know shoot yeah. the breeze, you know, so doing that." Here comes a mom up there screaming, "You won't give my kid an autograph and blah 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 blah." Just you know. Right. And she starts ranting raving about these stars that won't. Right. You know, that won't that think they're better than everybody else, right. you know. So he's like, "Okay, lady," he just leaves, and he's he leaves to the kid to tell her. Mom, we were actually having a snack together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but tell us about the Barat story. Now you can tell us about Barat. Come on. I, I'll tell you what I remember the, the morning that Barat was shot. Because you were yeah. there for that. We've already got your debt time stamped, okay? Oh, I, 20 I, years. I, I was, yes. So um, I was laying in, in bed with my wife, and I turned the TV on, just kind of listened to the news. Not really, I wasn't about probably 15, 20 minutes before I was going to get up and get a shower get ready for work here. And I started hearing this thing in Barat, and I sit up, and my spider sense is thinking, something is wrong here. So, and this guy, you know, he's kind of funny, but he's kind of off it. And he's doing things, and I, I jumped up, and I threw him up. And who was a reporter who was in there? Was it Brad? Brad McMullen was there. Brad, who is a, a guy I love, but, oh, Lord. And um, the producer, they just let it go on. The guy was, was messing up the show, things like that. I told my wife, something is wrong. And I called JPD and asked him to send the car to meet me at WAPT News. I just just had a bad feeling about what, what was going on. So I get there. I run in the newsroom. And Dharma, who's the morning show producer, is crying her eyes out. She's got a big box, and she's taking everything out of her desk and putting it in the box. Got she says, fired. She says, I'm fired. I'm fired. Oh, no. I said, you still got 12 minutes in the show. What are you doing? I'm fired. I said, get up and Have get back to the Have you ever fired anybody show. during the show before? No. 
no. And she hadn't been fired, but she she just knew she was going to be fired. So I told her to get up and go, and she puts her head down on her desk. I pick her up and physically take her back in there, sit her in the desk, put her headphones on, finish it, your show. So when the show is over, Brad comes out, and I'm trying to talk to everybody, kind of figure out what's, what's going on. JPD shows up, and Brad comes up to me and says, John, don't worry about it. I took care of everything. I said, you took care of everything. What do you mean? Why is it when you hear that, you immediately start worrying? I, I was worried. He said, um, I got everybody to sign releases. I said, you did what? I got everybody to sign releases. Oh, you're a lawyer now? I said, releases for what, Brad? So they could shoot. See, he was from some country in the Soviet Union. He's explaining to me. I said, <laughs> I said, okay, Brad, let me let me figure this out. So then the news director comes in, and people are flying all around. And it was just, and we didn't really know what had happened. When I got there, he had been gone about three or four minutes here, and um, I told the JPD, thank you. I don't think anyone was injured or anything was stolen. It was just unusual situation. I appreciate you coming and stuff like that. So there's a big investigation, and they find out that uh, this guy, Borat, had, um, he interviewed the Vice President of the United States as this journalist. Yeah. He'd gone to several other stations as this journalist. He had spoken to Mr. Kellogg, to uh, Bruce Barkley, the news director. They'd all cleared this guy to come on to the, to the show. I mean, we had a pretty standard procedure to get people cleared for the show and he had gone through it through all that and just fooled everybody everybody and then was he just a natural at it had he done some homework or what do you think he he had people who advised him on how tv uh. stations worked and ran and we were embarrassed because we had been fooled but then when we did the research we found out uh, that he had gotten into the white house he had interviewed the uh, I think it was Cheney or whoever the vice president was. That wouldn't happen again. That, no, no. But, and, you know, and then the thing, of course, legal got involved again. And uh, Brad, who I love to death, it, I got everybody to sign these uh, waivers. Like uh, I said, you're a lawyer now? Uh, <laughs> so we, we became famous for that, kind of a, a laughing stock. With uh, I remember a Newsweek magazine came and interviewed us. Um, Dharma um, quit because she thought she was going to be fired. Uh, Wait, my understanding was a producer was fired over it. I don't know if, to be honest, I don't I've know had readers say that on my site. Say so yeah. if if she if she quit or if she was fired. But she, she was she no was longer there after she, right, a short right. period short, of time. Shortly thereafter, right? Wow. She she left and everything. And now, then, and what did you think when y'all saw the movie? Then what? You know, I never saw the movie, but I saw the the feature about the TV station. Yeah. I thought it was funny. And I got sent It home. is funny. The problem was it was your station. I, I got sent home for the day because I came in. I was watching it at my desk, and I broke out laughing. They sent you home for that. The news director came in. Who was the news director then? Uh, not going to say his name. All right. He was really upset. He says, you're a manager here. People look up to you. And why would you... I said, because I thought it was funny. It I was really funny, did. but and, and, you know, y'all and, were the butt of the joke, though. We, we were. We were. And to, to this day, I still find it funny. I, I really do. But at that time, it wasn't. People were on eggshells. Corporate came down. Attorneys came down. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but then 
Dharma, who was the producer, um, I don't know if she was fired or she quit, but she left about two weeks later, probably after that. And then um, uh, that sounds like she quit. We did a, a review about the procedures and stuff like that, and all the procedures they didn't change anything; was still the same. But we just had to be a lot more. Well, they they careful. call them inside jobs for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. He'd probably talk to some people like I'm talking to you right now. Someone recently le- separated or retired from somewhere. Some people right, right, get the procedures. Not not only that though, they had uh, a guy from the State Department. Had recommend sent a letter of recommendation. <laughs> These are, you know, for cultural relations. They're touring the south eastern part of the United States because you're known for such Do great your government great, a favor and work with them, please. That, you that, know that, that type of thing was going on and everything. But and I tell you, that, that, look, I didn't see that movie for a long time, for several years. Then yeah. I went over to a friend's house in Baton Rouge, and late one night, yeah. a group of us and one says, "Hey." Look, we're we gonna watch. We're all getting drunk. Let's watch. Let's watch Brad. I made the mistake of saying, "Yeah, I've never seen that before." Yeah. What? You've never seen? You know what happens next, of yeah, course. So okay. we're sitting there, and we get to the Mississippi parts, and I laughed. I mean, the APT part, but then we get to the Pentecostal revival part, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no," and I'm recognizing people I know there. That's the, and I'm going, "No," <laughs> and I see what kind of fun they're having with it. Yeah. I'm just going. You know, the university, the wine tasting part I thought was kind of funny. I mean, some of those people are so stuffy, they they asked for it. Right, you know what I right. mean? So it is a university club, or was. Right. But some of that was just, it was painful to watch. I mean, because yeah. that's what everybody sees. I mean, and that's what he does. He loves to go to the stereotypes, play them up, you know. He, he, he does, but like I said, part of funny. I, I talked to a guy um, who had worked on, on Borat, and he was telling me that you know, it's kind of unscripted. I mean, it's just him yeah. playing off things. And he said, you know, three-fourths of it's what like they shot. your enthusiasm. Sh- yeah, three-fourths of what they shot, they didn't use. Uh, they just had to pick the, the parts that they thought were funnier. They could make funny and stuff and all. But, uh, yeah, we, we became infamous for for that. You and your, you and your phone. Ugh. Don't feel too bad. I bought this. I finally get well, – last week was a sad week for me. Oh, really? I finally retired the BlackBerry. Oh, you did? Yes, I'm one of the last five people in Jackson. Me, let me see, Jeff Reynolds, Lee Allen. There's a couple of we all know each other. Uh, <laughs> there's like James five or Parks. six of us still have yeah, still have Blackberries, uh, you know. And no, AT and T said they're all saying, you know what? We're all going to five G. Yeah. So if you don't have a five G phone, we're going to kick it off. You know, we're not going to let you play anymore on our, right. in our sandbox you know in a few <laughs> months so i was like you know what fine and you know what okay at&t just show you what i think about this right. i'm going over to xfinity mobile <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you won your battle but you lost your customer right. good job you right. know so yep got a this little brand new pixel 5a but yeah the first day i have it i'm having to figure all the new notifications they're both android but they're it's still different yeah right. i'm figure everything out i mean have it on side all of a sudden you're i'm on the radio the other day starts ringing off the hook i mean <laughs> Same thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, what are uh, who are who are a couple of your favorite people to cover? Who? Or who did you hate covering? I really liked Frank Melton. Although I bet you did. He was a quote a minute. He, he it's was like Marshall Ramsey loves Kenneth Stokes. But but you know Frank would he he was such a, a strange individual to me. He he called me. 
and said, uh, get over here. Uh, I said, who is this? This is Frank, John. I need to talk to you. I said, where is over over here? You at your office? No, come to my house. And he gives me the address. Two Carter Grove Circle. I go to Two Carter Grove Circle there. I get there and knock on the door, and guy snatches the door open. It looks like a, a keg party is going on. All these young teenagers. Probably boys. was. Yeah, they, there's pizza all over the place. All The place is a mess, clothes. It's like a, a frat house uh, type thing. And I walk in there, and I see a woman cleaning up, and I'm thinking, okay, this must be the maid or whatever. This was the chief of police. I'd heard about that. Yeah, she's there picking up trash, doing things, and I'm just appalled. I mean, she should be telling these kids, you know, these guys are from, like, about 14, 15 years old to 40-year-old men in there. And I'm looking around. I said, I'm here to see Frank. I'll go upstairs. He's in the bedroom. I go up there to the bedroom. It's this gigantic bed, a dresser, and a TV there. Frank tells me to have a seat on the bed. So I sit down, and he starts talking about how terrible our coverage is, and we're making him look bad, and what he's trying to do and stuff. So this goes on for about 15 minutes, and then um, the kid comes up and says... Um, yeah, it sounds like somebody else who was just in office. Yeah, but but I, I go downstairs, and they've got the big police... Um, the mobile command unit. Mobile command unit there? Mm-hmm. About 20 of these kids go out, get in the mobile command unit. They kick some of the police officers out. The police chief is in there washing dishes here. Frank says, come on, John, you want to go with us? I said, uh, no, no, thank you, Bear. I, I got to get back and stuff like that. It's just total chaos. And he, he meant well, but I remember that night he went to a gas station, and there was a, a young black kid was pumping gas in the car. Frank gets out. He's got a gun in his holster. He's got his bag. Oh, yeah. Badge, uh, he walks up to the kid and says, what's your name? And he tells him his name. Show me your ID. Kid shows him his ID and stuff. He says, we want to search your vehicle. And he's got Recio and another cop. They both got machine guns with them there and everything. And he was just, he meant well. He just didn't know how to I disagree. To do I don't things. think he meant well. I think he was just out of control. He was out of control. I mean, out, a friend of, of mine, long-term, long-time MBN agent, and yeah. he just flat out said, you don't have any idea how dumb he really is. Well, He said, trust me, he's dumb. And I didn't believe him at first. Oh, you're full of it. You're full of shit. Yeah. Now, yes, I see exactly what he meant. I, I saw it. And when he started putting a chauffeur in charge of parks and doing crap like that all the time, I mean, yes, he really was that dumb. He, he came to the station one day, and um, we were going to do an interview in the main studio. They always call a manager up there to meet him and escort him. And stuff. So they called uh, me on the desk. So I went up there, and just as a joke, I said, Mary, no weapons are allowed inside uh, the TV station. You have to leave all your weapons here with Miss Chris. And I was about to break into a grin when he reaches down, he pulls a 38 out of his sock, he pulls a 45 from under This is like Tackleberry from Police Academy. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> he, he pulled out uh, three guns and a knife and said, Mom, and Chris is like, I said, we'll, we'll be back in a minute. I said, is that all, old mayor? And he said, yeah. And I said, why do you carry all these weapons? I'm the mayor. I'm authorized. And he showed me his little badge and said, mayor. And then the next week he got arrested at the airport for trying to carry a Surprise. Gun, gun on the plane. But he, he 
But he screwed the city. I mean, in so, I mean, oh. no, not screwed. Not I'm gonna say it. Fucked the city in so many well, ways. I mean, how come there? How come we have a? How come the around the convention center looks so crappy? One, Harvey stuck it in a bad spot. But number two is. They had this long-range plan to develop all that, and Frank screwed that up so badly it took years to unwind it. And by the time it got unwound, guess what? Nobody wants to invest in Jackson no, anymore. I, I agree. What they, do you think when you see Jackson now? They've got a problem. I I love Jackson. Um, the crime is is horrendous. It's a lot of good people here, but uh, people have been trying to get the crime under control. Trying all sorts of different things, and it's it's getting bad. A lot of people who I know and respect are leaving Jackson, moving to other areas and stuff like that. Uh, I do see black and white progress. Yeah, you yeah. ought to see the black population of Clinton Public Schools now. Oh, it I, is I, exploding. It is, it is, and you know, I, I hate to see it, but people want to be where they feel safe for themselves, for their families. Um, Things have gotten better in Jackson, but you know the infrastructure problems, water, uh, potholes, there's so many things that still have to be fixed. Do you think this group knows what they're doing? I think they're doing the best they can. That's a very political answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I can't think of any person who could come in and solve it overnight. Uh, I, I think uh, they have made progress. Seems like it's Jackson, though, we make a step forward, two steps back here. This podcast is sponsored by Guns and Gear. Don't be that guy who shows up to the deer camp with a jammed-up gun because it hasn't been cleaned. Guns and Gear in Gluckstadt has a full-service gunsmith on site who can clean, repair, or refurbish any gun. Guns and Gear offers barrel threading, custom gun builds, and Cerakote from single color to custom patterns that will transform your gun to look like it came right out of a movie. Give your gun new life. Guns and Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals. But, uh... You know, and here's the mentality you're dealing with here, yeah. some, okay? I mean, there's a developer named Chapman. Okay. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, he tries to develop along, I think it was a JSU Parkway. Yeah. And here comes some one of these activist groups that supposedly represents the people. Right. And they raise hell and they say to them, we want, no, you can't just develop it. you got to do this, 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 this with your properties, you know. And right. he finally said, screw this. I'll go. And over by Monument, he's put up some fairly nice, affordable stuff over there. Okay. You know, okay. I mean, but it's just, we can't get out of our own way and I was sitting here at this because we're at WYAB doing this right now and <laughs> back before Kim Wade got sick he had Mr. David L. Archie on the air now this is the guy who goes out there and doesn't just protest all the time at Continental Tire but you know he's you know called met with people out there screaming custom and stuff you know been very hostile to Continental Tire but yet he's sitting there how we need to improve gas stations here in Jackson, make it safe for them so people will spend money in Jackson. I mean, no offense, but my first thought was, that, what is this, ghetto economics? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because you're not going to get much economic development off gas stations. I hate to tell you this, but you're not. No, you're not. You're Those not. continental tires, that's where you get your economic development. Yeah. But it's like we're the opposite. Money if someone jobs. wants to improve properties here, we want to make it hard on them. If someone wants to bring in jobs like that, one thing I noticed about this bunch in yeah. charge now, four years now, they've yet to brag about, 
hey, look at this business we brought to Jackson. I don't mean auto zones or gas stations or fast food places. I mean real businesses. And they never make a public effort to save businesses from keep them from leaving either, you know. But you go over to Ridgeland and like Jean's over there. Yeah. I mean, they got Butler Snow working with them. You think they'll, hey, why don't you come over here? We got a TIFF package for you, that package for you. We get you to move over, you know. We got all this nice property for you to move into, blah, 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 boom, you know. Yeah. And I've yet. I haven't seen that happen in Jackson in a long time. No, you know, I, I, I agree. I, mean, I, I think Ben Allen could have been a good... I think the conditions were more ripe for him to run for finally get a white mare in Jackson last time. Okay. But when you talk to him, he doesn't... Thanks to that farce of a trial that he had to go through, that okay. frame-up job yeah. that happened. Okay. And most of the reporters all knew it was a frame-up. And... That's gotta be frustrating for you guys when y'all cover stuff like that, knowing what the real truth is. But you know, you gotta play along. You well, gotta play along. Again, you, you gotta go through legal, and I know it, it's it not so be. much legal. I mean, you know, he can't. When you're a defendant, you can't say anything till trial. You can't really do anything. You know. Yeah. And your attorneys are telling you not to. So you're gonna sit there for a year or two, just taking it in the media. Just you're gonna get pummeled. Right. And but when you talk to him, he doesn't. He basically wrote off Jackson. That was about the most pro-Jackson guy around. I mean, gave his heart and soul for it. And after all that, he's like, you know what? Screw this. I mean, they've made it to where nobody wants to get involved. What's really bad is like the social media now. I mean, look at, you know, whenever, especially if we have female politicians or candidates in the Jackson area, look at the way they get trashed on Facebook by somebody so-called activist. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, You know? The the social media is it makes people wonder is it worth worth has it been good or bad for journalism? What what do you think? In some ways, it's been good. I think the infrastructure itself. The Twitters, Facebooks, in some ways. It's allowed you guys to get the news out quicker in a way. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's been bad overall because what you've seen is they are literally taking all of your advertising revenue away from you. All of it. You know, you've seen the numbers as well as I have. It's a lot. And y'all are doing better than than newspapers. I mean, newspapers, one, tech... I mean, I've got right here my iPad, all right? Right. And, you know, go to the T. I can watch your broadcasts on here, you know, but the format of the TV station, the TV news can still fit. All right, turn off the phone. Just turn it off. (laughs) Turn it off. (laughs) Turn it off. I've got mine turned off. But anyway, I can still... The internet hasn't really changed the medium of the TV news broadcast that much. I mean, because it's, no. it's still video. Right. But the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, the newspaper coming out once a day. Now news is always being updated constantly. So, yeah. but the newspaper itself, I don't think they've adapted yet to it. And then most, a lot of their revenue rested on what subscriptions and classified advertising. Mm-hmm. Craigslist took one away. Then what was left, the Facebook yard sales and marketplaces have come back and, and taken the rest of it away. When's the last time someone used a class, an employer used a classified ads for to hire for hire to hire people? They don't. No, not, they not. use the monster dot coms. I mean, the all whatever. It's all online now. That has all disappeared. Plus subscriptions. I mean, 
and they've had to cut back on, they don't have editors anymore, copy editors, so the product suffers. I mean, you're not getting paid on, you know, you put in a certain amount of work towards something, you take professional pride in what you do, you yeah. expect at some point a payoff for this, a reward for your efforts. And here, they give the best way to be cut out of the industry is to be experienced and have earned it. I mean, just heck, if you're just making 45 grand a year, they think you're rich and want to get rid of you. I mean, they want you to take a buyout. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, so, and so the news, I think it's been bad for the news media because, and also, there's so, I mean, now there's this pressure because of internet, so called Facebook news and all that. People are putting up what they think happened or know happened. It spreads around. And now, whereas you could take an extra half a day or a day to check your facts to see what's going on, right. now there's this pressure to get it out there because somebody else is going to get it out there before you do. Right. And it's all over the place. Right. Well, I saw this on Facebook. How come you aren't reporting it? Yeah. Uh, that, that was you one know, thing that, that drove me crazy is people would call up and they'd re be reporting stuff and I'd be taking note, okay, where, where did you get this from? Where did you find it? It was on Facebook. Anybody can put anything they want and they on do. Facebook. Yeah, and they do. But people, they believe in it. They put faith in it here. That that They believe that's legitimate. Well, I don't do Facebook for my site. I, I started doing Instagram re recently, but it's not really my website. I'm doing other stuff yeah. on it. Kind of, It's a tie-in, but I'm not doing Facebook for a reason. It's like crack. Cause, and here's the other thing, too, is yeah. once Facebook changes, they can just change their algorithm on a moment's notice. Okay. Or someone can just get mad about you, like, you know, like Save Jackson, that guy. Clay, yeah. He has a radio show here at the station. Mm -hmm. And he's built up quite a big following on Facebook with Save Jackson. Okay. All right? Okay. And then one day somebody just goes and complains about his content one day, and the next thing you know, he's in Facebook jail for so many days, and you don't, you know, you don't get a warning. Usually you don't, there's not... You, they say there's an appeal process. Let's be honest. There's yeah. really not. No. And, you know, I think a lot of the media has gone for the crack cocaine. Like, you go for the shares on Facebook. You go for the likes on Facebook. And yeah. instead of getting, say, 50 comments on your own website, you're getting 500 comments on Facebook. But those are all comments that are going to Facebook to help them build up their clicks for their ad revenue. Not the TV stations right. or the newspapers. You see what I mean? No. You're yeah. giving them your traffic. And I, right. It's it's a balance because you want to sit there and play, you know, it's like crack. You go for that. You get you get your stories out there. You build your traffic up. You know, and a lot of, a lot of political websites have discovered this. Right. You know, I'm more inclined to say put, you know, just grind it out. I mean, build your traffic up like you would have, say, in the early 2000s. You know, just get where people are bookmarking your site, having right. your app on their phones, and just right. come to that. Not, oh, look, in Twitter, that's just sewer. That is just a sewer. Now, it's great for breaking news, but it is a sewer. I, I agree. I don't, and I got in trouble for this when I worked at the station. I don't like, I don't use social media now I, I had to have a facebook account because that's where i can get a lot of information figure out who people are how they're connecting and stuff like that but but you know like on wapt.com you write a story okay a reporter writes a story maybe they'll get 20 40 seconds in the newscast to, to tell the, the entire story when it goes on wapt.com it's going to be five sentences i mean it's yeah, just, see it's here's just, where i think you guys screw up okay okay is you're still thinking in terms of the broadcast 
And yes. that comes from being in TV news for so long. Right. But on that website, you don't really have that limitation. There's nothing stopping you from letting your reporter do more of a five-minute story, giving it real justice, and putting it on that website. Nothing stopping you at all. He can do a short version for the broadcast, but there's nothing stopping him from doing a more expanded version for the website. Uh, and you want people to use the website anyway. We do want people to use the website, but people who are going to those platforms, they don't want a five-minute if it's good. No. What is the biggest mis? Back to the media. What is the biggest misconception people have about the media? Um, several of that. It is a uh, highly paid um, business. It, it is not here. Um, the kind of groundlings. The. Uh, re- Beginning reporters, the photographers, the editors, uh, they're working for almost slave wages here, mm-hmm. just, just barely enough. And when you first start out, but that, that's why so many people get out of the media and go into, in Mississippi, there's, uh, uh, and especially in the Jackson area, what, what I see all the time are uh, reporters from all three of the stations uh, they get out of uh, communications, television, they go into state government, um, MEMA, FEMA. And you're, ta- and you're talking anywhere from a twenty to thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year raise. Yeah. yeah they, With they the benefits, are. of course. I mean, but that's sure. not counting the benefits. I mean, they're getting substantially more money. No, they are. And, the and, benefits and you got benefits. kids. I mean, it's hard to blame them. No, I, I don't blame them at all. But uh, people, I, I know... And I'd say Laura Hip has it's done very well for Laura. Hip. No, I, mean, I can think of, of several people, but um, I go. Well, to, I mean, Pamela Weaver. She went from there to, uh, I mean, from TV to Delbert, now Comcast. You know, and then you look at Laura. She was Claire and Ledger, right? And then she went on to, you know, Haley, and now she's then then hooked up with Tate, and now she's over interim director of MDA. And then you had Leah, Leah, you know. Rupp Smith, she yeah. started out Claire and Ledger and then went to law school. See, she invested in herself. Right. And now, guess what? She's Dep- Delbert's deputy chief. But of staff. see, that, that's good. That's what we want people to, to move, move up, up to, do, to do better. So I, I, I think I know one good. that just left to Claire and Ledger to go work for the mayor's office and substantial pay raise. I mean, that poor schmook, they were paying him peanuts. Peanut, no. You know, and he was there. Not even full peanuts. It was more like the peanut trash that you see over at um, Lone Star on the floor, you know? Yeah. And it's just unbelievable, you know? Yeah, it, it is, but... And when you got a family, I mean, that that's hard. It, it is, but, you know, they would they would call different journalists to come talk to um, different schools at Jackson State, talk to kids about a career in journalism. And I'd be shocked when these kids thinking they're going to graduate and be making $80,000. When they see the TV. Yeah. They they don't see the reality. Now look at the ages of those people on that TV. Yeah. You know, know, that anchor at night. But, you know, but usually that person, I mean, working the weekends, weekend anchor and normally just morning reporters. I mean. They paid their dues. But uh, the... And, and I, I would tell them, you know, uh, you're going to work your ass off. You're going to work 40, 50 hours uh, a week. You're going to work weekends. Mm-hmm. And the reality is when, when you get into television, you're coming to be a reporter. You're going to have to start 
just breaking in the TV, you know, we, we would get sometimes in a, a month's time, 10 tapes, people are sending tapes, they're applying for jobs, there's so much competition and stuff like that. You want to be a reporter, come in, be a tape roller, uh, be working in the library, uh, just take whatever position you can get, get your foot in the door and improve yourself. reporters are going to wind up calling in sick. Yeah. They're going to need someone, okay, you've done it, you know how to act in front of a camera, get out there. Yeah. We're two down today, get out there, we got a big story, get out there. It, it happens all, all the time, and, um, and then... I guess it's like in any job, but especially in television, um, the more you know, the more valuable you are. Can, can you edit the machines down? I had to send my only photographer out to an accident. I need somebody to edit this piece. It's got to be on the air in seven minutes here. If you know how to edit, you're a valuable person. If you know how to run a camera, you're a valuable person. The more skills that you know, if you know how to assist at the assignment desk if you know how to go down and get paperwork from the courthouse you know um, but if you're but if you're just i just want to do live shots well yeah then then you're not going to be around real long or i just want to be a reporter i remember i had a um, intern from university of southern mississippi and she came in the first day and she was just so thrilled to be there and she told me she said i have dreamed about this since i was five years old I am an anchor. I was a born an anchor. I said, no, there's no such thing as born an anchor. Anchors are reporters and people who work themselves up. And she says, no, no, I'm going to be an anchor. I said, you're not going to be an anchor. And she saw how how things worked, how much pressure it was, how little money there is, how people talk. And to the stories you. affect you too. I mean, I'm I'm watching WWL's TV stream on YouTube all during the Hurricane Ida. Right. And I mean, those reporters having to go out there in the field and stuff. And I mean, the, what they're having to see. I mean, that's got to affect you. Oh, it, it it does. You know, I remember Katrina, the night of Katrina, and I was working at the news desk, and a guy called me, and he was at the uh, dome in New Orleans, and he's like, "Hey, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but I need for you to call the governor of Mississippi and tell him to send." All the buses he has. I said, buses? What kind of buses? Anything. School buses. Anything. Anything. Has get, wheels. Get people down here. I said, well, I know it looks bad, but hopefully by tomorrow. And you find it be... really was that bad. Oh, it was worse than, yeah. than that. And and the stories. And, uh, you know, a guy called me. He was from Picayune, Mississippi. And he had two small children, his wife, and two dogs. And he came to Jackson and got in a hotel room. And they told him that they couldn't have the dogs in there. Oh, no. So the wife decides to go back to the house and pick you and ride it out with the, the no. dogs. And, you know, Katrina hit, and I was talking with the National Guard. And with the National Guard, every day they would give us a list. They'd say, okay, we went to this house. We found a dead body in there. They didn't take the body out. They put a big X on the door and put it on the list. So this guy called me and says, hey, my wife's name is Sheila. I hadn't heard from her in four or five days. We live in Picayune at 318 Gordon Street. Oh, and no. um, ha have you heard anything? Because the phones are down and stuff. And one day I was looking at the list um, the, for the National Guard, 318 Gordon Street. And, you know, the guy said, have you heard anything about my wife? And we lived at, I said, no, sir, I'm sorry. We, we don't have any. 
His wife was dead. Uh, they, she and the dogs drowned inside the house. Oh and, no! And I couldn't tell them that. And people would call me, and and I remember telling people because uh, we set up extra phones and stuff like that. People call, just try to encourage them. Don't give them any bad news. Don't tell them, uh, you know. And oh, it was horrific. And I remember Joyce Brewer was one of the reporters, and we had been on the air like twenty hours, and everybody was exhausted. And Joyce went out there, and um, they cut a script, and they didn't have time to put it in a prompter. They just brought it to her, and she was reading it, and she she just broke down and started crying uh, on air. And I said, somebody get out there and get get Joyce off there. And she couldn't get up, man. She was just uh, what it was. That, like, that happened a couple of times yeah. during Ida. Family. They, they had, in fact, they had one. We's one little young weather reporters. I think it was at WWL, but she just. <laughs> pretty much broke down yeah. on that Sunday, just broke down right. on the air. Right. She just was not used to that kind of pressure and never been through a storm like that before. No, no it, it's horrific. You know, one thing. Um, but then we had, it was impressive, though. Forget her name, but she was up in um, New York when it all hit, to her, dropping her daughter off for college. And right. so, you know what? She, here's the pro. She's sitting there zooming in right. from up there. She's got her phone out. And she's sitting there working her sources, her law enforcement sources, all of her contacts. And she's just sitting up there in her hotel room right. in New York, just rolling off the updates, rolling off the information, just going live for with them for hours at a time. You right. know, I mean, just sitting there, ever the pro, just sitting there, just rolling it out. Well, you, know, you know, half a country away. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. Well, that, that's what you need, people who can, can get it done. But I remember in Katrina, mm-hmm. uh, the New Orleans TV stations came up. So we had three TV stations working out of WAPT. And um, we decided to send a crew into Louisiana. And I remember we set these tables and we had made cold cut sandwiches and we gave these guys uh, food to last them about three weeks. We had coolers. Mm-hmm. We put the things in, cold cut stuff like that. And uh, Bruce sent them down there, and uh, we had extra batteries for them um, so they could do their stories. They could um, send them back. They went out there. Well, Mont Brown was the photographer, and uh, I think Joseph Pleasant was the, the reporter. They went down there, and the first apartment complex they come to, these people were starving. They hadn't eaten in three or four days. They didn't have water and stuff like that. What are you going to do? You know what they did? They, they gave them all their food. And they came back to the station. What do you say? Oh, the news director was, he couldn't believe it. He was so upset. What do you say? I said, thank God we have human beings working for us here. You guys did. Yeah, don't don't go Jeff Bezos on us, please. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I, I just, I I was proud of them, although messed up the the plan and and the story and stuff like that. But... And, you know, I remember the day in Clinton, um, during Katrina, okay, we were low on gas. We get a call, and it's the first time I had heard this return. Um, it was from Clinton uh, PD and the National Guard. Um, they said, uh, you're a second responder. We're going to open up the gas pumps at so-and-so and so-and-so at 4 o'clock. Uh, Be there. Send all your uh, vehicles. How many vehicles do you have? Be there. I said eight vehicles. And I want to get on that list. Well, uh, if... You were listening to this. They had an actual list for second responders. So we went there. I bet you Teresa Pell's on that list. Probably. <laughs> but Lamont told me, he said he felt so bad. He said, John, there were 200 cars yeah. lined up there 
civilian people, National Guard standing there with rifles waving us up. We filled up all our vehicles and got out of there, and people were giving us the finger and, and just upset and everything. I said, well, they've been in line for hours, some of them days, waiting, waiting on, on gas and stuff like that. But the uh, National Guard, the deputy commanders said, uh, you have an important job. Uh, to do, I mean that's how they us. are getting their information. Yeah, that's out. exactly what he, what he said. So you have priority, and and it made made perfect sense here. Wow, Katrina was was the worst, and uh, I'll never never forget that. What do you think? What, what do you think when you? What's your response when people say the media around here is biased? Hmm. I think uh, we try not to be, but. Um, we probably are. All humans are, and mm-hmm. we're made of people. I think we try not to be, but uh, the people who are accusing us of being biased, I would take a lot of those phone calls. They are biased. I mm-hmm. mean, so it, it's it's something is ingrained. I think everybody tries to be as neutral and middle of the road as possible, but there there is bias. I think sometimes it's also caused by, you know, if people won't go on the record and talk to you, guess what? Yeah. Well, you know? And I mean, and like, we talked about Victor earlier, but like Victor, oh, he would get his panties in a wad if the media, if a reporter wrote something critical about about him or his deputies, you know? And I'm sorry, but that just, you're a police officer. And the sad part is, yeah. compared to other parts of the country, most of the reporters here are fairly pro-law enforcement. Yeah. I don't mean they're going to go... Look the other way. I mean, but they're fairly—they're not anti-cop like uh, in other. And there's yeah. a couple that are. I mean, but for the most part, and some of these chiefs or sheriffs don't always appreciate it. Like <laughs> Brian Bailey. I mean, he's probably—and that guy used to write his own press releases all the time. You oh, know, really? he was one of the most accessible. Uh, one reporter, I tell you, but but thing is that one reporter burned him one time. How's that? I'm not gonna say. Just they were off the record and of all the whereabouts of someone, and okay. they were trying to keep quiet yeah. for that person's protection. Okay. And the reporter turned around and went on the record without, yeah, and then wondered why he wouldn't talk to her again. You, well, you can't, you know, uh, that cute little quick scoop you get, you know, can burn. Yeah. Bridges because a lot of it's about relationships. No, it, it's all about relationships, and you know, you have to make sure that you communicate with people. Like, I, I would talk to a lot of officials, and I would say, this is my definition of on the record mm-hmm. and off the record. If it's on the record, I'm going to say Sheriff Brian Bailey uh, told me this. If you tell me something off the record. I'm going to tell my news director what the information you gave me. We're not going to quote you. We're not going to say where it came from. But I'm going to spend the next six hours trying to verify that with another source. A lot of times I'll say, we're off the record and say, look, I don't want a quote from you, okay? Right. What I'm trying to do is understand what's going on what's here. What? How does this work? What's, right. What? I need to get the picture in my head, okay? Yeah. What's going on here? I got a story going probably the way things are going probably Wednesday. Okay. But you remember the Brad Sullivan shooting, right? Yeah. I um, got the dash cam video for, for it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Of the officers being shot? You won't see him being shot. Okay. You're going to see his windshield shattering. You're going to have his audio, though. You're okay. going to hear him 
you're not going to hear him actually being shot. It's going to start like right after it. Thank goodness. And yeah. I would have cut that out anyway. Yeah. But you're going to hear him. He's actually pretty lucid. Okay. He really is. And you see them reacting. I have another video from another deputy. And you do see the bullets going through his windshield. I mean, you see actual holes. I mean, and then you have another one. I mean, this is totally fog of war. I asked, you know, I, I told the sheriff, I said, heads up, I'm coming out with this. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I mean, you know, I knew it was going to come out. You know, I'm glad it's you, not some of these others, you know, because yeah. I know you're going to do it right. So, yeah. um, gee, thanks. Okay. Um, but, you know, but you see that, you're like, whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah, that I was mean, a real tragedy. And, you know, it was funny because, well, not funny is the wrong word, but that that whole thing was kind of close to my family mm -hmm. because my wife was Egbert's realtor. Oh. And she was trying oh, to I sell, remember you telling me about sell that. a house for him for over a year. And, uh, and watching those police, when you see this, I mean, yeah. what's going to get your attention is not going to be Brad saying, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, and yeah. then, you know, freaking out, hey, we got right. down, I mean. It's going to be, you just hear the staccato of machine gun fire, you know. Yeah. You just hear it over and over and over. And these guys, I mean, they did not expect that. I mean, it's clear. And I asked the sheriff, I said, I bet y'all have done some after-action reviews over this one. He says, oh, yeah. He says, everybody's seen that video at least five times. Okay. He says, we've, we've gone through that training-wise and stuff. Because sure. you're not prepared. They're not combat vets. You're not no. prepared for that, you know. No, no, they had no reason to suspect mm -hmm. that, but. And, you know, he must have just snapped and says, I'm going to kill them all. I mean, he was just. And he was trained. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's probably he was... better trained than the cops. I mean, that guy could make his own machine guns. Right, right. You know. It, it, it's sad, but. I mean, and it, I mean, what do you th And I'm putting that out there just because it shows what these cops go through. You yeah. know, when you. When you go through, uh, you know, a traffic stop or a chase, that can this can the shit can go bad quick. Anytime, yeah. You know, we forget that we're so busy, you know, criticizing the police, defund right. the police. And what do you think when you hear defund the police? What do you think? I, I think people know better than that, and they don't mean to take the money away from the police. But the terminology is is there's oh there's some radicals who do. They really do mean it. Uh, well, people with common sense have to know that we need the police in mm -hmm. every everywhere. But um, no, defund the police is not something um, that should be seriously considered every, anywhere. If they want to try to restructure some things, um, change training and things like that, but no, police are a, a necessity in, in, in America today. I, I would argue that we need to spend more because it, usually it's the training that's lacking the training budgets that are lacking i mean when mac was sheriff they'd only go to the range like once a year and a lot of departments around here like that once a year whoopee you shoot at paper targets once a year right and the testing hard i mean i just started learning how to shoot i shot like a 90 on it the first time first time you know i mean it's not that hard no. you know and you're not learning but you're you know learning de-escalation techniques things like that and they just it, it you is. know, now some of them like like Sheriff Tucker. I mean, they go to the range several times a year. I mean, they they train, they practice. Same thing with with Bailey, but a lot of them don't, and well, some a lot of it's budget. That's good. I understand it, but one thing I learned in the military: okay, a guy can get a ribbon for shooting at a paper target, yeah. but you need to be an actual combat scenario where 
shit's going off every which kind of way, and and you got to be exposed to that. Cause yeah, yeah, and you what you when you watch one of those when you eventually watch it on my website, one of those videos, I mean, you'll see how they're all reacting. I mean, yeah. they're like, what? I mean, they're not freaking out. I mean, yeah. they're they're responding under fire, but. Right. You can tell they were caught, really caught unaware by guard, yeah. this element. They were a guy with a Glock with a thirty-round clip in it. Okay, they were they're prepared for that. Sure, sure. This was different. No, it was automatic weapon. They were lucky. Like one of them, and I think he might have been wounded. But the first video I got, I think it was Scott Graves, and but you see the holes coming in the windshield. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, he must have been wearing body armor or something. Yeah. But you see that. I mean, this guy, I mean, he was shooting doors and windows. I mean, he was going for cops. I mean, yeah. frankly, it is a miracle nobody was killed that day. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, it is, you know, and I was there in the courtroom when that little sni sniveling piece of shit was sitting there to, you know, I'm sorry and everything, you know, and, uh, and poor Brad, you know, he just said, you know, you killed me that day. Brad, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're going to make it. Yeah. You made it this far, you know why? Because you're tough, and yeah. a lot of people are praying for you. Yeah, you know, changed, I mean, so. changed his life forever, though. And, and switching subjects, you're also in a band. He's, yeah. What, what band are you in? What the kind Time of to Move Band, R&B and rock and roll. What do you What do you play? I play bass and guitar. Really? Yeah. And what kind of grooves do you like to slap down? Uh, we do a lot of uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Motown, Michael Jackson. We, we do all that, and, and I, I tell you, like, um, I've had this band 21 years. Um, we've changed maybe three or four people, mm -hmm. but it is so just kind of discouraging uh, right now. We, we book. You can't play. You can't play. We played four gigs. Well, we booked four gigs in August. All four of them, well, three of them canceled. We, we did play one that was an outdoor gig. Um, five that we had uh, booked for September, all of them have canceled now. Now some of the Christmas parties are canceled. Oh, man. And, and my thing is um, the guys in the band, they depend on on me. I mean, I got really strict rules for, for the band. You know, your family comes first, your job comes second, the band comes third. <laughs> and they, they all understand that, but... We're not making any money. We can't play. Uh, and people are coming out of the woodwork asking us to play for um, fundraisers for this and fundraisers for that. They're not paying any money. No, no, know? it's for a good cause. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this year uh, we played over a dozen uh, fundraisers, but we've only paid this year seven actual uh, paying gigs. Here. I mean, the fundraisers are basically practice for y'all. Yeah, well, we we do it because uh, um, to to help people people out. Like this thing, uh, they asked us for last Thursday. We were supposed to play for Ida. They were doing a big giveaway, mm -hmm. and they're collecting money for people from New Orleans who are up here. And we we agreed to um, to play for that. And then they didn't get the permit or something at the last minute. They canceled it the day before and stuff like that. But we love playing. We hope it gets back. Uh, all our casino What about some tailgate gigs. parties? It, it's going to kind of depend. It, it is, and I want to I wanna do them, but then I also want to um, keep the band safe. You know, I, I don't Outdoors, know. Outdoors, I think. Sun, sunlight, you'll be okay. 
Well, I hope, and, and those have been most of the ones we've been doing, but um, I have six members in the band. Mm-hmm. Five of them are fully vaccinated. Are you? Uh, I am. Mm-hmm. I am. But uh, one member of my band, um, and I still understand his reasons, decided not to get vaccinated. That is a choice. It is, and it, it frustrates me, but like uh, we had a casino um, gig up in uh, Greenville at the Tropicana up there, um, but in the contract it says, is the band fully vaccinated? And I told them, 5R1 um, is not here. They, they canceled the... What does he play? He plays keyboard. And, I know some good keyboard players. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about it, but I'm not going to force him or her, but I said, well, thank you. You have a wife and a, and a one-year-old baby. Mm-hmm. Think about them. And... I don't understand it, but he's a grown man. He can do right. what he wants to do. But uh, just been, last last year, it's just been crazy. I mean, we just could not have foreseen that. I mean, no, and I, I was nuts. thinking things were and getting. It's just brought the worst to people on both sides. It, I mean, it, it, it has, and things. I was thinking things were getting better, but then we started going. Numbers started going back up. Um, kind of concerned about. Some of the kids in school, I got nieces and nephews that are going to school. And yeah, but the numbers, I mean, but when you look at, I think, you go like Department of Health website, it's like, you know what, a year ago it was like 2% of the kids, of the hospitalizations were kids, and it's still running about that. You yeah, know, I yeah. mean, it's. It, it has been, although um, I heard on the news today uh, a million kids have been hospitalized in the United States. Yeah. Uh, but, but then you know, I also the Atlantic has a story today. I mean, yeah. these doctors from these uh, researchers from these well-respected universities, one being Harvard, yeah. and they went to the VA system. Now this is the VA, and the study ended on June thirtieth before <laughs> the before the um, Delta surge really got kicking. Okay, and they said how you know forty forty five percent or so of the hospitalization cases mm-hmm. were actually lighter cases it wasn't someone double pneumonia lungs on a ventilator right, you know and right. how many of them were actually they were like how severe are these cases really and right, it's like nearly right. half of them were not severe no and i think you know there's been a vaccine, lot of that yeah going on right but then i know i know people firsthand um drummer friend of mine um, uh, 28 years old died we both, we both need the sheriff yeah uh, yeah Lee uh, yeah we both need the sheriff and I mean and you know Lee lives five minutes from me and I'd see him from time to time and uh, he was more worried about his lupus and stuff like that and yeah then he and he'd had two back surgeries like you know right. in, at the end of the year yeah uh, Lee had been kind of going down for mm-hmm. for a couple of years and stuff, but you just have to be careful as you can and and try you, to use. You take vitamin D. No, I um, my brother who's a registered nurse told me to take vitamin D, but you need to. I mean, is it helpful? He yeah, it, it's it's probably the best thing for your immune system is vitamin D. I've been taking that and zinc. You want to take that and zinc. Okay. And I don't take the C, but I don't take the pill. I just eat oranges, an orange every day. I okay. just think you okay. get a better source from the orange. Okay. okay. But the vitamin D, actually, they were talking about how, at first this broke 
the how this is this disproportionately affected black people yeah. and it didn't and yeah. and that's another problem is these reporters none of them have had statistics for example okay. i mean if if i'm designing journalism curriculums i'm okay. putting stats in there because you guys need to know how to what okay. statistics are you know because uh, you're going to deal with it a lot yeah but <laughs> and there's something called the law of averages well guess what law of averages worked and you know you and everything worked out when you take short-term snapshots right. it can skew the picture no i, I agree and it came back but you can find statistics to say that any, too anything. but yeah 70 there are studies 76 percent of black people mm-hmm. are vitamin d deficient okay whoa you know i mean when i first saw that i was like wait a second what you know and and like this disease loves obesity well guess what department of health study from a couple years ago our obesity is like over 40 percent in mississippi Mm -hmm. black women in mississippi 50 percent yeah i mean that's the highest category there i mean and you know this disease loves if you're fat if you're diabetic it's a feast no i agree that, that's a, and then the way it's also thing. changed the news business. I mean, yeah. you guys had to go from all of a sudden zooming your own broadcast from home and stuff. I mean, it just was crazy. It was crazy. How did y'all do it? Well, I'll tell you, when we uh, went, first went to it, uh, they told me that how they were going to do it is managers would work one week at the station and then two weeks at home, and then another week at the station. And I remember um, my first week at that station, I was thinking, well, next week I'll be doing from home. But what ended up happening was the people who worked at the station stayed at the station the whole time, and the people who were at home. Because the people at home figured out kind of how to do it and what what they were doing, and we just had to communicate a lot more, text, phone calls, and stuff and people then, but then you can't get out there and cover because you learn more the more you get out there in the field all of a sudden you can't go to the field well you know the, the reporters were still going out but you know when the oh, were they when the reporters and photographers had to come to the station they couldn't come into the tv station right they had to go to the garage and uh, i remember my uh mr neely um uh, you know he had really strict rules like um only people in the station are people who are assigned to work station. So a photographer had come to work, and I walked out there just to check on the photographers. And I see one of them, he's over there urinating behind a tree. And he's, I said, what are you doing? He says, there's no bathroom in the garage, and I can't go in the building. And he said, rather than drive way up to the McDonald's here. I ain't driving to those gas stations. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, we... We were able to open up a bathroom for the, for them to use and stuff, and, but I mean it, it was hard. But people were dedicated. It was a lot harder than during newscasts. You had to be on your toes because things would drop. And, and you change. got this, and you've got so much just brand new earth, literally earth shaking topic, and you're getting so much data coming at you from all directions at one time. You ever make sense of it? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean it's just crazy. No, because we'd have to look. I remember looking at a script. I think it was Scott Simmons did a report at UMMC, mm-hmm. and then halfway through, Ross had an interview with a doctor, and then at the end, we talked to somebody with the State Department of Health. But all three of them said different things about the same same thing. I said, we we got to get a handle on this, what we're putting out here, because 
uh, UMMC. Well, they still agree. Like, you know, Dobbs says six months in social distancing, but go to, w, go to the WHO website, three uh, feet. Okay. I'm saying And that, honestly, what is probably the most practical? Three feet. Yeah. But I, I just want to make sure we weren't confusing people because different people were saying different things. We'd have Fauci yeah. something national. And uh, we'd have Dr. Dobbs saying something for the state, and they were similar but not exactly the not same. Not quite. Yeah. Just drive it crazy. All right. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming on, John, and talking to thank us. You, you got to I be enjoyed. my second guinea pig. Okay. Well, I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. hope we didn't butcher it too much. hope we didn't put you guys to sleep. Hopefully in editing we're going to make it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good joke, but I just can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Anyway, no problem. thank you very much for coming on, John. Yes, sir. Appreciate thank it. you. <laughs> Studio space for the Jambalaya provided by WYAB, the place for true conservative talk radio in the Jackson metro area. You've been listening to the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Tune in next week for a new episode.